Welcome to the Urban Wine Club podcast. Pour a glass, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Urban Wine Club podcast. I'm Ari and with me is Foti and today we have a great episode. Today with us we have Sarah Berry, Fine Wine Portfolio Manager over at MS Walker, a local wine importer and distributor. And not only is Sarah a wine specialist, but she's a wine guru who's done it all. She's done it all and guys grab a glass, sit back and enter the world of wine with Sarah Berry. So with us today, we have Sarah Berry, Fine Wine Portfolio Manager at MS Walker. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank knowing, you. knowing that you have such a busy schedule and, you know, being that we procrastinate and stretch things, <laughs> we, you know, we don't want to take up too much time. But uh, uh, Sarah, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your background and how you started in the wine business. Sure. Okay. Um, thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, oh, I went to college and got my degree in journalism, okay. and I was uh, working in TV news locally here in Boston after college and started taking wine classes for fun. Oh. And um, I asked one of my teachers in my wine class, uh, who you know, John Hafferty. Oh, wow. He, this is maybe 20 years ago, so I was 21, I'm 41 now, and uh, I said, you know, I'd really love to do what you do. How do you how do you get into that? You know, especially living around here. Exactly. Uh, and he said, uh, "Go try working in retail and see what you think. You can taste a lot of wines and get to know a bit about the business." So I um, was working full time in news and part time at a local wine shop and fell in love with it. And the more classes I took, the more I realized there was more to learn. Wow. Every year, there's new vintages. Yeah. There's always new varietals and new regions and um, I convinced a friend to move out to San Francisco with me and just dove in deep and started going. So you left your profession in news? Yeah, I right. said, uh, yep, I'm done That's with great. news. I, I mean, I was young, I wasn't married, I you know, sure. didn't have anything really tying me down. Um, I went to college in Southern California, so the idea of going to Northern California always appealed to me. I always loved my visits up there. and. I knew it was wine country. Oh, good for you. And so um, went out and started working in wine bars in San Francisco and started getting all the certifications I could find. Quartermaster Sommeliers, um, uh, Wine and Spirits Education Trust. You so know. you took it to the next level. Yeah, right? I figured I didn't go to get my master's, but I was going to make sure that if I was going to do it, I was going to do it. Right. And, um, Very cool. So yeah, it was so much fun. Um, so you're in California. You're getting, mm -hmm. you know, you're getting yourself through the ropes of the industry, and then from California, what happens from there? Um, let's see. I was working in wine bars and retail, and I thought it would be really fun to make wine. And okay. so I went and worked for a small family-owned winery making wine. And uh, you know, they call them cellar rats, sure. cellar assistants, mm -hmm. or yep. or crush interns. And I did that with a really great. Family, uh, Michael and Ann Dash, uh, Dash Sellers. They make incredible Zin. Um, and then I thought it would be really fun to make wine in the Southern Hemisphere. That was pretty trendy. Like if you were a young 20-something with no strings uh, attached, like 
to work a Northern Hemisphere crush and then go work a Southern Hemisphere crush. So you're saying Southern Hemisphere like South America? Yes. So I started poking around and asking everyone I knew if they had any connections with wineries in South America. And I got hooked up with a, a startup project down in Mendoza, Argentina. Really uh, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, the original idea was to open the first ever wine bar in Mendoza where you could taste all the best wines from Argentina in one place. Mm-hmm and build a wine club. Nice. And I had worked at um, a wine bar that did a wine club up in San Francisco, so it was a perfect fit. That was supposed to be a six-month consulting project. Turned into three years. I loved it. Um, stayed there for a long time, and then... Uh, so how's your Spanish? Uh, ahora uh, está bien. Um, but I did. I became fluent, and if I... Uh, Put my mind in that in that um, yes. in that frame. I can yeah. I can come back to it, but um, it's a little rusty now. But I had I worked for an amazing company, and um, you know we grew a wine club from uh, you know the two founding members' families to about right. five hundred people in wow. a few years, oh, and cool. developed a really cool business with good people and great wine down there, and. Um, and they gave me Spanish lessons once a week, so mm-hmm. I had a great Spanish teacher. What an experience! Yeah, right. it was cool. So then, you, then from that point, I guess I finally realized like home is where the heart is, yeah. right? And I um, missed out on a lot of things like um, birth of a nephew and you know a grandparent sure. passing away, and I just had for the first time in my life homesickness after being away for t- twelve years. And I uh, came back and I thought, what are you doing the wine business in the Northeast? Uh, right. And so I started uh, working in a little wine shop near my um, near my mom's house, and uh, started asking around all the different distributors and stuff. And I started as a sales rep and um, ran a sales route, selling wine from a distributor to retail and restaurants. And uh, now that was. 12 years ago, and now I've been back here in the Boston area working for distributors or importors for the last 12 years. Sure. So you've pretty much touched every yeah, facet of the wine business well from, background. From, hmm. from the moment you took classes to the moment that you actually um, worked in wine bars, made wine. retail, you made wine, you created a wine club. What haven't you done in the wine business? That's interesting. Right? So, yeah, I, mean, I never you, thought about it like, like that. Full, full circle. I and mean, we've had a lot of fun, different experiences, and so, there was never some set destination. So I guess the journey has been there to cover a lot of different things. That's but amazing. I'm sure I could come up with something I haven't done yet. Just well, give it. Yeah, well, sure. I'll let you know. But, uh, so, uh, so, you know, moving forward in uh, this full circle, you're, you're back, back to your roots. Um, and you're, you're representing uh, some fine portfolios. Um, and I'm sure you've come across, I should say, maybe possibly thousands of different types of wines. I'm sure you've probably tasted so many different styles and so many different uh, categories. And I'm sure you've seen trends go in and out and so forth. But obviously, you know, lately we see uh, trends after trend after trend coming around. So having said that, we'd love to hear your um perspective um, on the trends that are out there now and what do you think or what you feel strong about uh, people should know when it comes to what's fun and exciting and and you know they should explore and kind of dive into yeah so um, there are so many trends and like any 
industry or anything that's going on culturally. Um, trends come and go pretty quickly. Sure. Um, and I feel like they go more quickly now uh, in this day and age. They used to rise up slower and take longer to, to, to go down. You know, back when Australia became the biggest, hottest thing and when that went down, I think it had a bigger curve. Now the trends seem to go more quickly. Sure. Um, but the big trends, things that people ask about again and again, right now, I would say uh, emerging wine regions. People want something new and different, different mm -hmm. regions, uh, new and different varietals. What are the interesting varietals? Sure. You know, not just the, the classic international varietals that everyone has heard of forever. Sure. Um, Natural wine, we hear about a lot. Mm -hmm. um, everyone seems to be starting to ask about natural wines. Ari, do you know what natural wines are? No. So Tell me. basically, Sarah, if, if you were to give someone like Ari uh, a quick breakdown of natural wine, what would you say to him? I mean, I have a thought in my head, but I'm sure it's not. It's it, not fake. Yeah. Well, and it depends who you ask, <laughs> right? right? right. Every, there isn't uh, like a defining, the governing body that defines what is natural Correct. wine. Um, so this is where we get into a lot of gray area because some psalms uh, and wine buyers will want natural wine to check every single box. It's grown organically. It's uh, sulfite-free, no chemicals. Mm -hmm. um, and... Sometimes you can check some of those boxes and not all, all of them, them. Right. Um, but um, grown as naturally and with minimal intervention yeah. as possible. So if I see something that's labeled natural wine, there's no set standard. That means, okay, now I know that this is this. Right. Okay, that's interesting. It's possibly indicating that it's, it's cleaner than probably other productions, in a sense. So we get into a slippery slope, though, yeah. because clean, so many of the natural wines don't taste clean. They look foggy. Maybe they haven't been filtered. A lot of natural wine falls under the orange wine category, which doesn't really look white. It doesn't really look rosé. It really looks orange or unfiltered or cloudy. And so when we say clean, yeah, maybe... Clean of. Right. They're not using uh, sulfur in the winery to put into the barrel um, before bottling to stabilize. Um, so it can end up tasting... Harsh? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or, or or not off. clean. Right. Where the practices, the idea, the ideal ideology of it is clean, but the final product doesn't always show itself that way. Interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's actually some, um, I don't know, the right word is controversy or drama over natural yeah. wines because... I see that often. So many people ask for natural wines, but... We really want to make sure that natural winemakers are still making really good quality wines. Yeah. So that they're approachable and that mm -hmm. they're, you know, pleasant to drink. I mean the end result really needs to be a, a nice tasting wine, right? Yeah, yeah you, it has to be. Has I to mean be. we the consumers should demand that. Yeah. You should be able to do things naturally with minimal intervention and still have a great final product. So natural wines are definitely of a, of a upcoming trend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anything else that we um, touched people on? People ask for different categories when they're planning events and, and dinners and um, wine flights and wine ideas. People ask a lot for women winemakers or women mm -hmm. in wine, so you yes. hear that trend come up a lot. 
Um, and it's great to say that we're seeing a lot of balance in an industry that for historically was very male dominated. Yeah. Now we see a lot of female winery owners, winemakers, sommeliers, mm -hmm. um, women, you know, running companies and that kind of thing. So, and what about the trend of packaging? We ah, see packaging yeah. has become also a thing lately, this, right? You're so right. So I love that we're exploring alternative packaging. I um, believe that we can do a lot to improve our impact on the environment and yes, that people yeah. are so environmentally aware these days is really great. Especially younger generations coming up. Yeah, so... Um, we're starting to see a lot of wine in cans, which is light for people to carry and take and do um, outdoor activities, bring it to the beach, bring it on the boat, that kind of thing. But then it's easily recyclable. Yes. And it's also easy as far as carbon footprint for shipping around the world, right? Glass is heavy. Glass is yeah. um, expensive to ship around the world. Um, I have seen wine in plastic bottles. Yep. This is like offensive to me on yeah. so many levels I can't even tell you because um, I, I think plastic we all know is one of the worst things right. you can have for Definitely. the environment yeah. but um, I understand maybe it's lighter to ship but we can't guarantee that everything we're throwing in in a recycling bin if they were considered like uh, recyclable <laughs> paper like cartons like they do with milk sometimes so we are seeing a lot of this the bag in a box wine right. but the bag I say, to me you know, the boxed wine has always been like that cheap, like, laugh, you don't want to drink that wine, but has anything changed that? I have to disagree. It has. That, I, think it's I think it's evolved. I mm -hmm. think the quality of the juice that's in the uh, uh, boxed wines has come a long way. Mm -hmm. And this has been something that's been up and coming for a long time, that premium wine producers are more and more putting premium wines in the bag in the box. Yeah. Um, Which yeah. is good. I think. So, yeah. yeah so, great. I mean, have you had can in one? Wine in a can, I should say. I have. Um, Would you try one? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love the idea. As long as, you know, it's, it's the technology, I'll call it technology, the technology to keep the wine the way it's supposed to taste right, right. in a can, if that has been reached, then I'm all for it. Would you, would you be opposed to having a wine in the can at a restaurant? It's one of those... <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting because it's like I, Just throwing it I out can't there, see it, but you know what? My desire to to be more environmentally conscious outweighs the look. Right, right. And, and if you have a patio, that's where we've seen it be really successful. Um, beach clubs, that oh, kind yeah, of thing. But right, even right, downtown yeah. restaurants that have a patio, no. there's one right in the Fenway area that cranked through cases every week of whites and rosés in a can. Right. That's such a good summery yeah. feeling kind of thing. If it's but, a more casual restaurant, I true. think is where you can start to introduce people to that in an on-premise restaurant environment. Touching on the restaurant aspect, what about, do you see any trends in the restaurant side of the wine world? Uh, with wine lists, programs, offerings? Yeah, one of the same things that carries over from what I mentioned before of... Um, Wine buyers and psalms have that same interest in interesting varietals, um, emerging wine regions. We're start originally that was only in Boston, right? right? That you would get these wine geeks and psalms that would want to be more adventurous, but we see that going on more and more outside. Sure. Um, 
we've, I mean, we have entire restaurants dedicated to natural wineless. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those same trends that are um, coming over to the restaurant. I think side. so. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Um, and as um, as far as like we're discussing the trends that go in and out, uh, anything recommendations for our audience that are listening? You know, if, if is there anything specific they should definitely try or explore next time they're out there? Well, you know, <laughs> um, I talk a lot about Greek wines. It's one of my favorite categories. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so you mentioned I'm a portfolio manager at MS Walker, which is a family-owned yes. distributor. It's um, been around for generations. One of our fastest-growing categories is the Greek wine category, and. Um, the interest in that category has gone. So if you have listeners that haven't discovered Greek wine yet right. or have only discovered one varietal, sure. branching out and seeing the the depth of what the country has to offer because you go from the south all the way to the north and you can get bright, crisp whites all the way to some of the biggest, boldest, most interesting reds. Um, so if there are people listening that haven't got on that bandwagon yet, sure. um, mm-hmm. This is the time. This is the time, definitely. And you see more and more restaurants that aren't just Greek restaurants or Mediterranean restaurants adding Greek wines to their list. Once upon a time, you had to go to a Greek restaurant. Right. 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 Just like, I mean, just like Argentina, right? For a long time, um, Mm. you had to go to some Argentine steakhouse to get Argentine wines. And now every list has Argentine wine, even if it's just one or or many. But... um, uh, the category has established itself, so you get out there and get after it. Um, I mean, rosé has continued to be a huge category. Um, it's uh, every it's year everyone says, I don't know, is is everyone going to drink as much rosé this year? But I think every year we see it grow and grow, and I don't think rosé is just a seasonal wine to I drink agree. in the spring and summer. It's something yeah. that if, if we can drink Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc in the winter, why, why can't we drink rose? great rosé yeah. in the winter? So true. Um, yeah. So um, that's definitely something that I, I think is around to stick around, and awesome. it's the crisp, dry rosés, and it's not just for sweet rosés for the ladies. It's really good, mm-hmm. Very really versatile, great right? quality, superfood, versatile. Um Rosés that are for everybody. Um, And the other one that I think people feel intimidated by the category is sake. Yes. Um, So sort of aside from wine, but, um, you know, another beverage that falls under our umbrella with wine and spirits and sake. um, Also superfood versatile. And we're finally getting to a point, I think, it's slower to jump on where not just... Japanese and Asian restaurants, but seafood restaurants, mm-hmm. and um, using it for cocktail lists, and using uh, it's, it's interesting to jump from wine to sake. But right. when people think about really good, easy food pairing, um, things sake. that wine has a lot of trouble pairing with, like broccoli or asparagus mm-hmm. or some of those things, you so find um, such a good pairing when you turn to something that's like sake. Yeah. So for Glad you brought that up. People who don't know, that's the uh, rice-based uh, beverage from Japan that is brewed more like a beer, but drinks more like uh, white wine. When we're talking about 
premium sake that's served chilled, chilled not yeah. the Real hot sake that we all drank yeah. in college and did sake bombs <laughs> or sake whatever bombs. but like right so not that but like the premium stuff that's served in a wine glass or served yes. in a chilled glass and pairs with food so that might be another that's pretty trend cool. for people to check out awesome very cool excellent well, Sarah, uh, we wanted to thank you for taking the time to be with us. Yeah, thank you so uh, much. We'll definitely want to re- invite you again in the future. Thank Talk you so much for having me. Too. Yeah, thank you. But thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you.